0: What's up, guys? I'm Chad Broussard. I'm your host, and this is Street Sharp, a hangout spot for entrepreneurs that grind every day, hustle every angle, and end up at the top. Join me while we talk to like-minded individuals and get straight to the point. Hey, buckle up, guys. I'm Chad Broussard, and welcome to Episode 3. And this episode is brought to you by Milestone Mortgage, our preferred lender. Um, Our guest speaker today is going to be Fabio Passos. He uh, is the owner, CEO of Milestone Mortgage. Um, He is our preferred lender. We have a lot of topics that we're going to talk about today. This might be a little bit long of a podcast, so we'll start off with with Fabio, and I wanted to ask Fabio where he was from.
1: Hey, Chad, thanks for having me. Uh, So yeah, there's a question I get a lot since my name is Fabio. Uh, I'm originally from. He doesn't S- have long hair. No, I had a nose job and I got a haircut <laughs> and I got off the juice. So I'm okay. like a, a clean cut version of Fabio. Um, I try to be at least. But now I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, and I moved here to Lafayette, Louisiana in 1996. Um, my mom married my stepdad. I was a guy from Lafayette. And you know we came here to meet my aunt that was already living here. So I have family. Uh, from Sicilia, from uh, Burbridge, from Lafayette, and from New Iberia. They also call me a Cajillian because I'm a mix of Brazilian and Cajun. So it's a pretty <laughs> wild mix. Uh, well, so,
0: so what did your parents do in Brazil?
1: So my mom was a real estate agent um, in Brazil. She has been for, whew, I can't even remember when she started, but I grew up going to open houses and checking out the houses in Sao Paulo. Uh, my dad was a cop in Brazil. He was a narcotics agent slash, um, you, know, you know, all kinds of other things he did. He, uh, um, he had a security company towards the end. My dad passed away when I was 18 in 94. And uh, he opened a company called e for so Security. And uh, because he was a police officer for 30 years in Brazil, being a police officer, you're always involved in security. And, uh, you know, he was doing really well. And then he passed away in 94. Uh, we went through a lot of changes, you know, once he passed away. My mom and my dad were divorced back in Brazil. Uh, But he lived two blocks away from my house, and uh, we decided to move here in 96. Um, So in 96, fast forward to 96, moved here, went to college, uh, USL back then, Um, had a good time, was in a fraternity here, Uh, met a ton of people in Lafayette, and I fell in love with the city, the culture, made a bunch of friends here, graduating in 2001. Um, And and I was always like more of a finance brain. So I was good in math. um, And I wanted to be maybe a financial planner or something like that. And my mom became a realtor here. So once we moved, uh, she was hired right away at Vinnie Romero uh, where she worked. And I met a ton of awesome people there, including Jessica. That's how I met Jessica back in the day. Um, Yeah, your mom's real nice.
0: I've been in the business for 23 years, and I've known her ever since. She's she's a real sweetheart. Yeah, thank you.
1: so she kind of opened my eyes to the mortgage business. I wanted to be a financial planner, and uh, at that time, it was 2001, the dot-com burst of 2000 was a fiasco and stock market crashing. It wasn't a good time. Merrill Lynch was not hiring anybody. And my mom said, you know, I sent business to this guy. He works for a company here and does really well. And I was like, what's a, a, a loan officer? You know, So I start. it was before Google, so I started doing research on Alta Vista, whatever it was back then, <laughs> and – uh and learning a little bit about it, I went on my interview with the manager, and um, at the time, last semester, I was working, I had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I could work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I figure I will go to the office on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and learn for six months, learn as much as I could about the business. Uh, I just want to be hiring the right company, have you know, the right people around uh, me, and so the guys say, oh, come by tomorrow, we're going to have a client coming in and can watched me talk to the client, and I said, oh, does that mean I'm hired? He said, hell yeah, you're hired. Your mom's a realtor. Of course you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> You're going in the mortgage business. So I was like, oh, this is going to be good. So I thought that it will be I'm getting business from my mom and I'm getting business from 150 other agents that work with her. Right, right. You know, Cuz she has a I'm great gonna, reputation. I'm going to go, you know, slide right in and and it wasn't that easy at all. I got one realtor for a long time. <laughs> was that mom? It was mom, yeah. <laughs> and then I had to hustle my second one and third one and went from there, but uh, you know, it was uh, the mortgage business. You know, it was a pretty wild business, very stressful. It's like a hot potato and you're always have to deal with people stressing out of delay in closings, contracts, real estate agents, appraisers, I mean, you name it. Um, but it's a very rewarding career. Um, and I'm blessed to be, you know, in, to have been introduced by my mom because she knew the business. And I jump right in and I love it. And I've been in the business since 2001. 2001. So you've seen it all. You've seen a lot of ups and downs. Lots of ups and downs. Since then, you know, back in the day, basically you had to have pulse and, uh, and, and you could qualify for a mortgage. Oh, I remember those
0: uh, days. You, you, I, they had people <laughs> that show up to the closing. Uh-huh. Very questionable. Yeah.
1: You could fog a mirror, you're breathing, you could qualify. Yeah. So there was a lot of shady people in the business. 2008 and washed out a lot of people from it. Uh, so in 2001, I worked for a company for three years. Then I was invited to manage a new company that was coming in from Covington to Lafayette. Um, I did that for a year and a half, and as I'm managing the company, the owner barely had any experience, didn't know much about the business, and I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this for somebody, I'm going to do it for me. And um, so he was a great guy. We were still friends. Actually, I just financed his house a few months ago. He called me for his loan. Oh, nice. Uh, and I always believe in leaving doors open when I leave places, uh, and we we always had a good relationship. Um, then we I partnered up with a f- friend of mine from Reds, at the time, we just talked about it, you know, working out about how we're gonna, you know, do this and that in the mortgage business. We ended up partnering up in two thousand six and had a partnership all the way until two thousand fifteen. It was great. We built a, a great team in a mortgage business here in town. In two thousand fifteen, we kind of part ways and kind of went in different directions in our lives. That's when I got introduced to coaching, and uh, I wanted to kind of. I, wa- I, I want to get to coaching uh-huh. a
0: little bit a little a little bit later. Uh-huh. Um, I, because that, you know, that's, that's a big thing to give back yeah, to coaching. Yeah, definitely.
1: And that's, that's when this kind of started, and it kind of pushed us apart a little bit because I wanted to do a few things, and he didn't. Um, so in 2015, I decided to part away as a family-first mortgage and open. sold my shares uh, to my partner and started a branch of, of mortgage financial services here in Lafayette. Uh, it was a totally different setup. It was a retail setup instead of a wholesale setup. So so
0: in our last last podcast, we Mm -hmm. did cover wholesale, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand the difference between the Mm -hmm. two. Can you tell us the difference between the two different mortgage companies?
1: Definitely, yeah. So a wholesale setup is, is basically a mortgage broker that has a relationship with multiple lenders. So think about this. And when you walk into milestone mortgage, you walk in into 50 different banks. Through me okay so i 'm going to be your loan officer, and i 'm going to shop around for you so i 'm going to find not one lender holds the golden egg every time some some lenders may have an appetite for VA loans, some for FHA some would like to probably work with people with lower credit, some only high credit, so not everybody wants to do the same thing over and over again you know uh, and and that 's a disadvantage if you 're only walking into one bank, so if you walk to Chase Bank right now, they only offer you know, a certain number of programs or whatever it fits their criteria, not yours. So if you have no money down or and no good credit, they may say, hey, in the chat, you don't qualify for a loan. Mm. Where if you walk into my office, I'm going to have a guy, a lender that can do that. And I can lender that can do 20% down, 800 credit scores. I'm going to have pretty much everything. And because we get a lot of most of our business from real estate agents, I don't get to cherry pick that I only want to work with people with good credit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get to. I gotta find a place for everybody that Jessica refers to me. Whether, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whether they're slammed done financially or not, or whether they need help with their credit, and maybe they don't qualify now, but six months from now. So that's mainly the difference from walking into one bank and having their set of rules and guidelines mm-hmm. versus walking into fifty banks. Because I'm gonna find if there is a way, we're gonna find it. You know, we have um, so, now you know technology allows us to find. And by and the way, all those lenders and you know stuff like that.
0: By the way, Fabio did do the mortgage on my home as well. So that's <laughs> awesome. just saying. Um, what, uh, what, how long have you been a wholesaler? When, how long has that been going on?
1: So a family-first mortgage, we are, were a wholesaler the whole time from uh, 2015 – no, 2006 when we first started. And then we changed from – we were on our way to becoming a lender – and what's called a mini-core setup where you, find, you fund all your own loans, but you still get the loan underwritten by the lender. Mm. Uh, so there's, a, there's a, a hybrid of a mortgage broker that's called a mini-core. Is Before you get to be a big bank or a big lender, you're a mini-core. It's a great setup, but lately, because of the volume in business, um, it's kind of falling apart a little bit. So a wholesale setup is better now than it was uh, you know, mini core would be better in theory, but right now because of the high volume, the wholesale setup is better. We'll become a mini core and milestone mortgage when we need to. Right now, I feel like this is not the right time to change the chess pieces when everything is running really fast. You know, you got to keep keep the the wheels on the bus, basically. You know?
0: Okay, so so we'll get back to the coaching part because mm-hmm. that that's a lot of information. Um, mm-hmm. When did you get into coaching? Uh, other mortgage companies, other mortgage, uh, you know people that, that are involved in that business? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so in 2015 is when I first got introduced to the core training. Um, what is a, core training? The core training is a coaching company that, that trains loan officers across the nation and real estate agents. Um, they're owned by a mortgage guy, a couple of mortgage guys. Uh, they're based out of North Carolina, and they, they have people from all over the nation. They basically teach and share the systems they need to run a business Efficiently, you know, to make X number of calls, teach about prospecting, um, creating a, a a good plan of action from beginning to end on the process, um, follow up calls for real estate agents, builders, how to develop uh, preferred lender deals with builders like we have. They pretty much share a lot of information from top producing loan officers and realtors across the country. So one of the guys, the top realtor, for example. You know, sold 650 transactions, a guy out of San Antonio. You know, how how can one realtor sell 650 houses a year? So there's a way, there's a system in place where you have to put teams in place. You have an LP1, LP2. There's a whole structure that we learn in the core training. I was the only guy in the state of Louisiana uh, throughout the whole time. So I always walked around the conferences asking if there was somebody else from Louisiana. And um, I've never met anybody in level three in Louisiana. I don't know if they, they have it anymore. I graduated a, a year and a half ago, and I haven't been back yet. But I stay in touch with everybody I still and do I, the homework.
0: How do you, how do you find that that coaching other people helped with your business?
1: Well, uh, you know, honestly, it changed my life. Uh, just the putting the systems in place. I was going through a changing partnership, a changing setup, and, and and how can I produce? This much business and have a life, be a father, be a husband, you know, just how can you do all this uh, and, and just live without just working 24 hours a day? So all those systems I learned from the core training, and I became really good friends with a lot of the top producing people that we share information on Facebook. We have, you know, group texts going around talking to each other, sharing videos, marketing ideas. Um, that, that's what I learned from the core training. And not only that, actually, they do a a personal budget. They teach you how to save money and what percentage you need to save from what you make from your net income, not from your gross income. It's detailed information. You have to actually, as a 43-year-old, I had to submit homework, and I've never liked homework (laughs) my whole life. So that was the painful part for me, but it really taught me how to manage money better, save better, how to be a better husband you know, they have an accountability system for you to give a gift to your wife, mm-hmm. and my wife loved that part. <laughs> oh, the gifts! Yes, yeah. We've, we've, we've. So you know, it's like it's, it, it, it covers everything from being a good loan officer, having a good system in place, uh, having raving fans, for example, and how to teach you know your staff on how to run a business efficiently and, and care for the clients. Um, you know, between so, – there's so much that, that goes into it. And every six months you have a different coach and they kind of put you in a class with similar people and similar productions. You know? uh, so so even you know. at your level,
0: mm-hmm. and I understand that last year with a was a huge growth spurt for your mm-hmm. business. Yes. You're still involved in this coaching and also learning from it. Exactly. And so you've told me – we talked mm-hmm. the other day and mm-hmm. you told me uh, something about more growth. Mm-hmm. And you told me that you 're looking at expanding your business to other states. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: yeah, definitely. So one of the things I learned uh, through hanging out you know they, they say in the court training, if you want to uh, fly you know, if you want to fly with eagles, you know you need to hang out with eagles like you got to soar if you want to soar, you need to fly with eagles so i, I figured out that there's a lot of eagles hanging out in the court training uh, <laughs> uh uh, what do you call it the summits and they call it a summit they have twice mm-hmm. a year and uh i I learned so much from those guys, and I learned that making the x m- number of dollars, which you know for a while you work and you 're making good money and you think you hit the the top of the mountain until you go hang out with some of those guys mm-hmm. and you realize they 're doing the same thing you 're doing they just have a better system, and they 're making. Ten times of what you're making, or or more, humbling, right? A month, and they're like so. Add a zero to what you think you're making, and get, your head's getting big because you're making, you know, this, and you go hanging out with this dude right here that makes ten times of what you're making. It does the same thing, so I was just like, hang on a second, scratching my head a little bit. And I'm like, I can put a system like this together, you know. It's like I'm coachable. I like learning, and you know, what is it that they're doing differently, you know? It, it's because I'm in mean, Lafayette, Louisiana. I cannot do this. You know, I had a guy in San Antonio, and that was. The market's huge there. And a guy in San Diego, you know, <laughs> every time we got had a, co- a coaching call, our average loan amount in Lafayette is 200000 In San Diego is 800000 Oh, wow. You know, so yeah. it's like how do I close, you know, how do we do this, you know. Uh, but learning a lot and, you know, following the system, being a good student, and then coaching my my loan officers on how they can do better, you know. Teaching them how to make money. Not You know, it's not about all you. It's about how can you help so many people make more money. Um, so the growth of milestones, so, you know, and then you, you, you work and you hit record volume like we did last year. Uh, but still I did phenomenal, phenomenal, like the best I ever did in my life and anybody in my family, but I'm hanging out with the Eagles. So they're still kicking my butt. And where, where, where are those Eagles <laughs> going
0: to be bringing you, Fabio?
1: Well, we're going to be going to Miami, hanging out with some more Eagles this, this following week. And, um, I'm learning, you know, what they did and how they did it. And we're going to share some ideas and concepts. So my plan is to get a license. We're we activating everything to get a license in the state of Florida and in Alabama. There's a lot of purchases happening from people from Louisiana buying condos in, in Gulf Shores. So uh, are you, are you
0: going to bring your wholesale business as well uh, in that aspect? It's not just going to be a regular mortgage company. You're going to bring that wholesale aspect to Miami, the Florida area. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So our
1: wholesale setup, there's a lot of wholesale setups like the, like ours doing really well in those markets. Mm-hmm. So I plan to implement the same concepts that we did here in Lafayette there. Um, In Gulf Shores, there's going to be a lot of people from Lafayette that we're going to be getting leads and buying and financing, helping finance homes there. And then in Miami area and um, Sarasota and Tampa area, we're going to implement the wholesale business and have the headquarters here in Lafayette. So through COVID, we learned that we don't need to have a big, fancy office anywhere. We can all work from home. Um, I do have a f- big fancy office already. So it's very nice. It. You ju- you set just up. recently upgraded. Yeah. Yes. We we're getting everything set up. We we are actually full now. Uh, we grew into from twenty seven hundred square feet to forty five hundred. And, and you and filled that up already. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I believe in build it and they'll come, and it, that happens every time we do it. Um, so we're gonna run our processing team and, and eventually underwriting team here from Lafayette, and, and getting business from all over Florida. Uh, the average loan amount there is very large, like 330000 versus $215,000 here. Uh, and there's way more units. Uh, and the setup, the wholesale setup versus retail, one of the things is a dirty little secret that I like to point out now that I'm in a wholesale Say setup. it loud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the margin. So the, there's no secret. Everybody gets the same rate, right? Okay. If you want to get a free rate. Everybody, you know, everybody's gonna get like. Let's say if the free rate's three percent, and then you have your commission built into it, then your rate end up being three and a half, mm-hmm. right? So the key is to run an efficient business without spending too much money, where you can run lean and mean, which means you can run an efficient business with low margins and make it up on the volume. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of getting greedy and trying to make a high percentage on on less units. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so you're you're our preferred lender, and yeah. so is
1: tell us how you do that because I, I'm I'm wondering if this yeah. connects to that. It, it does, it really does. So that's one of the conversations we had a while back. Is you have you know a lot of retail companies, you know retail mortgage lenders that have a higher margin. Therefore, when you have a higher margin, you have a higher interest rate. So how can those guys pay for all this advertising and offer to pay for to be? You know, I mean, Jessica can witness how many times she, you know, people are chasing her to pay for this, pay for this, pay for this. Um, you know, I don't want to name anybody, but there's one somebody famous in town that's n- known for paying a lot of stuff for realtors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that money comes from the higher marginal loans. So is it's, it's not a benefit to the client. A lot of people's money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so if the client is paying a higher interest rate, right? Yep. So it's a disadvantage to the client. So my brain is like, okay, so if why are we going to. You know, what if we do something that's going to help the client, right? So, how can we do this? Well, we lower our margins, and we're giving a benefit to the client. The benefit is a lower interest rate, Mm -hmm. or the same lender credit with the same rate. Mm -hmm. And so, we were reading this weekend on Mm -hmm.
0: one of our mastermind pages that Jess and I are on, and they were talking about uh, using a prefer the builder's preferred Mm -hmm. mortgage company, Mm -hmm. and how does that benefit or don't Mm -hmm. benefit the client. That's why I brought it up because a lot of people think that, you know, when you're given um, Mm -hmm. closing costs or concessions to a loan that you're Mm going to hike up the interest rate. Tell us, tell us yes, no. And otherwise.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly how it started. You know, so uh, the lender credit in the beginning is like, Oh yeah, I'm going to give you $6,000 towards closing costs. Mm -hmm. But that $6,000 was coming out of the rate of the borrower. So instead of, you walk into my office, my rate's 3%, for example, um, and the other lender that's giving 6,000 is 35 mm-hmm. Well, that 6,000 is coming from the extra profit from the higher margin on the rate. Because interest rates, all, the, all it is is mortgage-backed securities packed, packed up in a bunch coming from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So the higher the rate I sell, the higher premium that rate has. So back in the day, pre, pre-2008, a broker could make more money by selling a higher rate. Well, the rules change. So our commission is capped. So that extra premium will go to the borrower as a lender credit. When you have a retail lender, they don't have to give that money back to the buyer on the wholesale side. We have to, we cannot make more commission. Our commission is set. If I want to make 5% on a client, I can't on a retail side. You can. So if, if uh, this retail client wants to discriminate against somebody and say, you know what, today I feel like making 5% on Jessica's client, mm-hmm. I don't have to give them a lender credit. They can do that. So it's kind of like a the the right now what I think is like the shady side of the mortgage business. Um, and you don't have to worry about a wholesale lender ever doing that to your client because the, the commission set is set.
0: Yeah. And we preach nonstop to, you know, people that purchase our homes and Mm -hmm. going through mortgage, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you know, your board at times is full Mm -hmm. of signature series homes sales. Mm -hmm. You're preferred. And some people just don't understand. Well, Mm -hmm. I have a lender. Well, Mm -hmm. okay. Just at least compare rates and compare um, concessions, you know, and most of the time you went over them.
1: And that's, that's exactly so true. When you say shop around, shop around, you know, like people need to shop around because you don't know if you're getting, if you have the good lender or not, you know, sometimes, you know, your, your best aunt, friend might you know, not be your best friend. Your aunt friend. Betty, from whatever, you know, like maybe working for the wrong company. She may not even know how far behind she is in a rate. You know, sometimes they don't, they don't really care about looking outside behind the curtains on how it really happens, the operations and everything. And as a numbers guy, I always, you know, got drove into that side of the business and I understand how it works. And I understand that if I want to be successful, I have to give people a good deal and have a good reputation. And you don't make money, you know, robbing people or screwing people over. You make money by getting referrals and doing a good job, and it, and if you do that over and over again, you don't have to worry about it. you. You're going to be fine.
0: So, so tell us what your eagles are telling you about the home home market and home building and mortgage company.
1: Yeah, well, um, it's always a constant battle, and I believe the CFPB is about to go down on, on some some builders that own mortgage companies I've heard some conversation about that recently, which is, you know, some of our good friends there from. Uh, I don't know if I can say it where they're from. Again. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to say any names. We, <laughs> but, uh, you, you can say they're famous here in, track? Our, in our circle. Yeah, and we're not talking about track <laughs> well, stores. They, they want to own everything. Right. Right. And so I always tell my clients I said, look, there is a, there's a reason why, um, if you, if you divorce, you should have a different divorce attorney, you know, than than your husband and your wife. You may not want to have all your eggs in one basket. There may be a a benefit for them not disclosing this. There may be a benefit for you to choosing your builder's lender that you don't know about and also choosing your your builder's title company. What if they want to hide something in the title? What if there's something wrong with the subdivision? What if they didn't get a permit and now they're covering her up on the title, but they're owned by the builder? You know, so it's oh, a that's monopoly. a very good point. I've never isn't, thought isn't, about that. Yeah, isn't, that could be a monopoly, right? Yes, there's a reason absolutely. why certain condos could only be closed by this title company and not by this one because they're covering up mistakes on the title. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen behind the scenes. But you have two separate entities, then somebody's going to raise a flag and say, "Hey, I don't care about you know, like we do business because we do business ethically." Right. Not because you're paying my rent or I'm paying Oh, no, my rent. right, right. So you like, help our clients. That's it, the biggest exactly. thing for so, us. But when you have everything under the same roof, is anything going to leak from that? You know, I don't think so. Is that house really worth this if the appraisal is working for the mortgage company that's owned and, by the builder? Yes, I you got know, you. I got you. you know, There's going to be some shading going on because they're all in the same pot. They're all owned by the same entity. And that's what people don't really understand that, hey, go with this big, giant builder here because they're giving you the, all this and that. They're giving you the world just to yeah. buy their house.
0: And you almost have to, mm-hmm. you know, the question mm-hmm. that needs to be asked at that point is, mm-hmm. why do you, as a as a track builder, a major company coming into mm-hmm. a town like Lafayette, why do you feel that you need to give these folks so much up front to get their business? Is mm-hmm. that the only way you can sell your houses? Is by mm-hmm. giving them closing costs and giving them, you know, yeah. Fabio, what are some of the things? Um, the chain reaction that they say: if you don't use this one, you don't get this one, and you don't get this one. Tell them the process.
1: Well, everything is built into the price, right? And they keep pushing. You know, so if you don't, if you don't go with all, you know, the, the boxes like our lender, our title, you don't get this, you don't get this. Now you don't get appliances, you don't get this and this. Well, and you've heard this, that and, before, right? Yeah, they're they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink to get them all in one package, um, and and there could be. Too much information or you know, not leaking to the client or they could be covering values going down because they're using the same appraisal company, mm. the same mortgage company. It could be title issues. There's a lot of things that, that there's a benefit to having two separate entities and not all in one. Um, but another thing they're not thinking about it, those track builders are building a ton of units. They all look like they're all the same. Mm-hmm. And and what happens when they want to move out of that house did that house appreciate as much as a house being built by a Well, no, you a, can a buy that same builder?
0: house down the road a mile for the same price. So I, th- this is what I always try to tell folks mm-hmm. too, and I'll just mm-hmm. kind of put this in there, is that you you buy a brand new track builder home. That home mm-hmm. is a certain amount of money. They make it really easy mm-hmm. for you to get financing, because like you said, the finance mm-hmm. company is owned by the builder. Mm-hmm. They get you in there. So when you go to sell that house, they already have another subdivision a mile down the road. But mm-hmm. the kicker is, is that – how, how do you gain value in that home? And so, yeah, also yeah. also when you go to sell that house, it's a resale. you got to go through conventional financing. Mm-hmm. So now the, the uh, criteria is a little
1: stricter. I've heard of people writing checks to get rid of their houses mm-hmm. because, well, because now you're competing with a brand-new house from the builder, from your own builder that's offering all those incentives on the new house, not on yours. Because you don't own the mortgage company, you don't right. own the title company, right. so now you have a house just like yours selling for the same price with six thousand of incentives down the street. How do you sell that house? You can't. So yeah. did the house appreciate in value? I don't think so. No. You know. So where is the equity? Well, the equity is in the guy that bought a house from not the track builder, that that down the road that has all the amenities, have all the the, the, the bells and whistles in the house. So There's statistically, the granite and the, the you know, and then the house appreciated. 3% a year instead of 1.5% a year, mm-hmm. if zero, or maybe right. zero. Hey, I, I don't see a lot of appreciation in those houses. It, you know, I could be wrong, but I would like to get together with a few realtors and do some MLS research. And actually, I'm pretty sure, I'll put money in it, that the appreciation on attract builders are way less than appreciation. And that's what I was going to yeah. ask
0: you. And also the sales, um, mm-hmm. percentage of sales. Mm-hmm. What what sells with a loss and what sells with a gain as mm-hmm. far as track builder versus local builder? Mm-hmm. I know um, we've gotten on the mastermind page, and that's a, another big concern is the track builders and how they pay the realtors incentives. It's mm-hmm. it, in other markets, you know. Here they do like a referral fee, and I, I, I tell the agents all the time when. This is a big concern of mine. We know what's happening with Zillow, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they they slowly crept in Mm -hmm. to what they wanted to have and they have it Mm -hmm. and they're, they're about to control it. Mm -hmm. And you know, you ask who's responsible for that. I'm going to say it like this, who paid them for ads, who supported them to get where they want. Right. And so, you know, we, we talk about real estate commissions on these track builders. Once they get to a point where they're pushing out the local builders and Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily need the real estate agents anymore, you, do you really think that they're just going to give you that 5% for bringing a name? No, in other markets, you know, what's happened They're They've gotten so dirty mm-hmm. that they actually give the clients incentives to get rid of the realtors. Yeah. And, and, and we read this on the mastermind yeah. page for the real estate. It's, it's terrible once they get mm-hmm. their feet in the door and, and look, you have to realize, you know, it's starting to come out. More realtors are starting to see that mm-hmm. it, it, their fiduciary duty as a realtor is not being met by protecting the buyer's investment. Mm-hmm. And that is part of a, a realtor's fiduciary responsibility, not just to sell a house, not just to bring a name to get paid, because that's, that's what a lot of that is. Look, we love real estate agents to death. I, I mean, you know, my fiance is a real estate agent and she agrees with what I'm saying yeah. until that's fixed. That
1: can cause – It's b- always been a problem, but it's, but it's so hard because if you have, if you get a group of agents, they're gonna say no to to Zillow, but then one guy says yes, and he gets all the leads, you know, and that's what happened in town because a lot of people are like, okay, we're not gonna pay, we're not gonna feed the monster, but then this one guy feeds the monster and gets all the leads and Zips seven hundred five zero eight or seven hundred five nine two, you know, then he's paying five thousand dollars a month, and then he connects with a lender that's helping him pay. Uh, but what so happens it, is you know, either you, you do it all or nothing but you, it's so you know like that the real estate uh uh the Realtors.com or realtor what do you call that uh, just the, the no like the the realtor association right should have a, a one stand together saying uh, we are going to support or not and uh, yeah they are they the the door. they're, they're the, the mls the, and now yeah. you're
0: going to start seeing zillow for sale signs yeah. in front of properties so what they, happens they to, the 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 to the agents at that
1: mls correct yeah, because they needed that to infiltrate the MLS system, so they can show the house on their website. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when they first came out. So what happened? Zillow became way better and more efficient than MLS itself. Mm-hmm. So when you're searching for a house, you know, you're not, you, you know, you know, you into Zillow straight up. Uh, now the estimates are still way off, thank God, but right. uh, But when you're looking for a house, Zillow pops up right there on the top. And uh, so they created this monster that's called Zillow, and Zillow's coming to get our business too they're coming after they have the zillow lender now oh wow so they they they're they're not going to stop until and now they're publicly held company which means they don't care they're going to do whatever it takes for profit uh it's a scary thing and it's kind of we're going to you know i I think that we still need the human element but are we all going to be working for zillow down the road you know or quicken you know on my side i don't know Mm, (laughs)
0: let's not hope i know um we're going to move on from that one because that's a long. That's
1: one. A, that could be a yeah. We could talk here for that's days. a long one. Let's talk about <laughs>
0: let's let's talk about uh, debt to income ratio and mm-hmm. how that affects buying a house and what uh, do mm-hmm. lenders look for for in, in to get that preapproval. If mm-hmm. if a buyer comes to you mm-hmm. for a pre approval letter, what's the first things that you ask for?
1: Yeah, what I like to. I like to talk to the clients. I like to teach them a little bit of finance. Uh, you know, I'm a numbers guy. I'm always, my my brain gravitates towards the fi- helping them financially. Is the a house is the biggest purchase of their life usually, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they need to understand that when they buy a house, they need to just like we we're talking about the builder selecting the builder, or how much is this going to appreciate or not? How much is this house going to be worth down the road? Um, and and the qualification purpose, uh, process. On the DTI, the rule of thumb is you can qualify for a house that's usually three or four times of what you make a year. So if you make, let's say 50,000 dollars a year, you qualify for a house that's you know anywhere from 150 to 200,000. So to keep it real simple, when you want to go look at a house and you have a, let's say a, a two nurses that got married, You have two nurses that make a hundred thousand dollars together. They have two kids, so they make 100 grand together. They can qualify for a house with three to 350 you'll be a good number for them. With low interest rates like they are now, maybe a little bit more. You know, normal rates are 5%, 55 You know, we're locking people today. What's, What's your th- lowest
0: interest rate that you have locked in to date?
1: Today on February 21, of, 2021, I like to mention the date because things change so fast. Right. The best RD rate that I closed was 2.375. Wow. The best VA rate that I could close was two and a quarter. And the lowest conventional loan that I closed was one point nine nine seven on a fifteen year fix, so yes, one point something yeah I'm speechless I'm, I, don't I know actually closed I closed <laughs> one Friday at one point nine nine um you know for a realtor a friend of mine that you know of course we close a lot of the realtors because they know. Has the best rate, right, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> well, even me. Look, you I know like when you look it's... at my pipeline, you see realtor friend, realtor, realtor friend, friend, builder friend. He <laughs> like, hey, they they know the secret sauce. <laughs> so it's a it's an honor and a pleasure. And also, I say, hey, I'm gonna. Hook you up with a rate, you know.
0: No, that, that's a huge. That's a huge compliment for your peers to come to you mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, Fabio, you work with our clients every day, mm-hmm. and we're satisfied enough yeah. to have you do our financing for us." That's a huge statement. How, how do you feel
1: about that? Yeah, I feel, yeah, it's just a good feeling. You know, I had a build uh, a realtor that's a good friend of ours. Of course, I'm not gonna name any names, but if she hears this podcast. She knows I'm talking about her. <laughs> um, she uh, said, Oh you know, we we are set up with a retail lender that pays for our advertising here, but uh, I'm gonna refinance." With <laughs> okay, so no pictures on Facebook, no nothing. You know, she knows who she is, but she she's the one that got that one nine nine seven. And, uh, you know, I asked her to come to the office, take a picture of the certificate. She didn't show up yet for some reason. But anyway, we'll finish kidnapping her from the retail side.
0: <laughs> Snapshot it and send it to me when you get it. I'm just joking. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Any tips for buyers once they get pre-approved? What to do and what not to do? Now, we do know, you know... <laughs> Everybody wants to buy new furniture, drapes, TVs, yeah. uh, and stockpile it for when they get their new house, right? Yeah. So when they close, they have all new stuff, ups and downs of that.
1: Well, what I, you know, people need to understand is that qualifying for a mortgage is, is proving your ability to repay the loan. That's all it is. So you're submitting documentation that proves that you're able to qualify for this $1,000 mortgage, this $2,000 mortgage. Anything that changes – that could change your ability to repay the loan could be a problem like buying a car you know buying a a, a brand new SUV and showing up with a note of $1000 a month mm-hmm. may keep you from qualifying for the house buying furniture anybody to pull your credit changing any of those things could affect the the ability to close or push back the closing or not close at all like if you if you have a $500 car note and you you got on a wreck and you need to buy another car It's not the end of the world, but you have to disclose that to the lender and say, hey, Fabio, I'm I'm buying a new car. Is your note the same or more? Mm -hmm. Well, my note's a little more. Well, let's see if you can qualify. And then I have to document that information through the process. So it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, I advise people not to do it. Most people, if they're prepared and they talk to the right person and they're aware, it's all about communication and setting the expectations, right? So if they know that that's an expectation, then wait to buy the car after you buy a house. It's when you when they look at credit, they want to see if you're going a little too crazy with the credit. If you, somebody's pulling a credit for a credit card, for a car, for a mortgage, for furniture, then maybe you're a little too excited spending money mm-hmm. and you need to slow down. And that's, that's all it is. The credit score, all it is is assessment of risk. Is there a disclaimer on your pre-approval
0: letter, or will there
1: be? <laughs> um, we we have a few videos that we send to the clients and make sure they watch it, and they call it a mortgage gumbo, actually. Yeah. You know, the do's and don'ts of the mortgage business. One of them is not changing anything financially or your payments. Don't quit your job. You'd be surprised. Some people quit their job before they close on a house. Wow. And they're like, but I'm going to find another job. I said, yeah, that's fine. You'll get approved when you find a new job. <laughs> because, you know, what if it takes uh, a year to call, to, right, to get right, a new job? Right. You know, right. And if it's not we in the same industry, what right. if it's not in the two years of the we same We went through industry. that a lot lately uh, with the oil field industry since mm-hmm. 2015. So many people are getting laid off in this area. And, uh, you know, some people getting unemployment during COVID. Mm-hmm. And they think that they're getting unemployment, they could use the unemployment income to qualify for a house. So it's it's about setting the expectations and having a conversation. And I, and I really wish people were more um, financially savvy or care more about finance because it can make a big difference on their life down the road. Like the people that don't care, they just kind of wing it. And they usually end up with not a lot of equity when they're selling their house and they didn't have a good plan. And sometimes just sending $150 more a month to your mortgage payment and you're moving out in 10 years that's going to make a difference of you having eighty thousand dollars in equity mm-hmm. or ten thousand dollars in equity. So there's little things like you know if you cut Starbucks from your trip to the office or one less sushi a month. You I can won't buy a that. house. I have to have my Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pick your battles and make yes. a few changes on your on your budget. And people need to be more responsible. I don't know if you need to start teaching them in high school, but credit has become more and more and more important. Now you get a better insurance quote if you have good credit. Everything is tied to credit. If they can prove that if, because you have a higher credit score, you reduce the risk of getting in a wreck or because you're more responsible. Yeah. You know? Is there
0: any kind of equation bef- between income and credit score to prequal
1: for a house, uh, a mortgage? Um, so if you have a good credit score, you're more likely to get approved with a higher debt-to-income ratio. Okay. So if you have a 610 credit score, the lender may not like you to be over forty-three percent, for example, DTI. Okay. And if you have an a you may be able to go to fifty-three. Mm-hmm. So uh, the system tells us when we run the approval through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Um, it tells us if if they approve the loan or not, and if they don't approve, why the debt income ratio. So a good credit score can help you get approved for more house. So there is
0: there is reward. Also,
1: also you get a lower interest rate. So so your payment is less. You know, so having a there's a dollar amount, and I can figure out like a high credit score is worth a lot of money nowadays. Right. Because it's going to help you financially with everything buying a house, buying a car, insurance, life insurance, everything basically.
0: Let's talk a little bit um, about people that are um, self employed. How does okay. that affect the mortgage process? Okay. Uh, successful people, you know, successful people run businesses, mm-hmm. they have more debt than probably what they should because Mm -hmm. they have to personally guarantee these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's hard for, for a successful person. We could pay cash for a house. Mm -hmm. You could pay cash for a house, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, cash is king. So that's not the right business move to do.
1: So how do you
0: maneuver and manipulate around that?
1: Yes, that's a good question. And nowadays with COVID self-employed people are getting, you know, kicked in the chin basically. Right. Uh, It's terrible. And it's, I mean, I wish there was a better option. If I could go back and, and work in the in the background of the mortgage-backed securities, I would create a program specifically for self-employed people like we used to have. But what happened in before 2008, people took advantage and committed you know, fraud with those programs. But back tell, in the day, t- Tell us – you had no. told me
0: the story about people buying second homes. Mm-hmm. So give that example yeah. so people understand.
1: So back in the day, you had a rule of self-employment that was you have to put at least 10% down and have a certain credit score, which is about 720, which is good, not great. It's, it's a good middle you know, credit score. But if you had those two things, you had the ability to save 10% and have a, maintain a 720 credit score, you're you eligible for a stated income program. A stated income program are, was created or originally for self-employed people. So why? Because self-employed people are a little, can get a little more creative when they file their taxes. Therefore, you may have a builder that makes—I'm just going to use a builder a contractor that makes a million dollars uh, gross, you know, revenue, mm-hmm. and then he writes off the truck, the you know, a lot of whatever the IRS allows you to write off. Right, we're using your the IRS your right. Rights right as an American citizen right. to follow the rules of the IRS and reduce your tax liability. Mm-hmm. So it's great and i recommend that everybody does it, it only, it's only a problem when they come talk to us lenders because now in, in to the irs you're not making a million if if this is how it works if if it costs you 900,000 to make a million then you made 100,000 mm-hmm. but if it didn't really cost you 900 if it really cost you five and all the other four and like little fluff numbers then That's where the self-employment program would come in, and it was awesome, but it was taken away because people took advantage of it. But that's a program that we need back, and we need back fast.
0: Do you find that um, mortgage regulations don't work well sometimes with tax laws? Yes, definitely. They're they're kind of contradictory against each other. Basically,
1: the rule is whatever you show the IRS is whatever we can use to approval. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, there's a few things we can add on, depreciation, mileage, and stuff like that, but it's not much. But back in the day, th- that program was only for self-employed people. Mm-hmm. So what happened is the fat cats of Wall Street got greedy and started changing the programs. So that program one day was eligible for non-self-employed people. Well, if you're not self-employed, why can you show what you really make you know, if You have a W-2. It's pretty easy to see what your income is. Why is your tax return different than you W two, unless you're doing some shady, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one time the, the 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 rep from Chase Bank, uh, Chase Mortgage back then, which was a very very uh, conservative lender back in, the, in in the 2007 days, he walked in and said, "Guess what we can do today?" I said, "What's up, Carl? What, what, what can we do?" He said, "100 percent financing, stated income, down to a 620 credit score," and I was like, "What?" I said, "Why?" I said, oh, this is so awesome. I said, oh, no, it's necessarily awesome. This is a program. First, if you if you make good money, you're self-employed, you make good money, and you're able to save 10% and, and maintain a high credit score, therefore, you're making money, and you can afford to pay the mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why would I have to hide your income and then you don 't have any money to put down on a house down to a six twenty, which means yeah, uh, you may or may not be very responsible financially, right, mm-hmm. but they wanted to sell the mortgage backed securities, and we all know what happened in two thousand and eight yes, but yes. you know then the mo- chase said, "Oh, mortgage brokers are the bad guys well i didn 't create a loan program, I just sold the heck out of it because I could right I said you created a program where we can put pretty much anybody that has pulse in it and okay, we're going to sell it because I'll never not be able to approve anybody. Hence the East Coast crisis. Anybody that just sends it to me. (laughs) I got a pre-approval right here, honey. There you go, rock and roll. But there's a reason why you shouldn't do that, right? But they changed the rules and they got greedy and then that's what happened 2008. Came and boom, changed everything. Got rid of subprime lending and all those programs went out because they were put together as a a legal scheme to qualify people. So self-employed people were like, Throwing out the window together because even though they, they're –
0: They didn't bring reform. They, they just wrong. kicked it out.
1: Exactly. Because they say, hey, you know what? We're not going to take the risk. If there's an opportunity for 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 fraud, we're not going to take that risk. And that's – has been 13 years now without the self-employed program. There are some sub- substitutes for self-employed programs like the bank statement program mm-hmm. um, and a few things that we use. They're you know, the higher interest rates, so they're not as – you know, this, the old, back in the day, the stated income program had just a little hit to the rate. So, mm-hmm. rates like they are now at two and a half, 2.75, a stated income program would be a quarter higher, which would be awesome because it'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm not showing income. You know, this year we did great, and I didn't, sh- mm-hmm. but I had an opportunity to to write off all this, mm-hmm. or I purchased this much equipment for my business. I'm showing a loss, right? right? <laughs> so they're not committing fraud to the IRS. It's things that happen when you're self-employed. That may keep you from buying a house. You right. may have a great year, but if you're in an oil field business, you're able to write off two million dollars in equipment that you had to purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a guy that, that does bulkhead for a living, he bought two excavators that cost like a zillion dollars. Well, in his tax returns, didn't show like he was making more money, but those two excavators allowed them to make forty thousand dollars more a month. So he was kicking butt, selling, you know, uh, making a lot of money for the business and couldn't qualify for a house and was silly. That's really silly because. You can qualify for a house if you have W two making thirty thousand dollars a year with a hundred bucks in our checking account, and but going can
0: qualify for that. You know? That's really what I want to lead to. Yeah. So, when as a mortgage broker, you see on Facebook, we have real estate agents mm-hmm. um, and other brokers that say, "Hey, you know," they put a, a huge emphasis on your credit mm-hmm. score. Yeah. Well, we know that just because mm-hmm. you have you could have an eight hundred credit score doesn't mean you're going to be qualified for a house, and 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 Right. Tell yeah. people the scenario why that would happen, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so the credit score and the income, so you know let's say somebody that, that doesn't uh, that, that may be working at a restaurant and gets a lot of tips. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't pay any taxes on the tips, they may have a great credit score, but they don't have the ability to prove their income, so they're not qualifying for a loan. You can have an eight hundred credit score, but if you only show that you make five hundred dollars a month and you're only going to qualify for a note of two hundred bucks a month, right. Uh, on the other end could be somebody that makes, you know, $500,000 a year but has a lower credit score. Well, they can afford to pay the mortgage. They may pay a little bit late every once in a while because, you know, they're not worried about their credit score as mm-hmm. much as the 800. But they, they, for, to me, if I'm the bank making a decision, I would rather have somebody that has more income than somebody that has a higher credit score. Correct. Yeah. You know, but the credit bureaus, you know, they're very uh, – it became a money-making machine. It's a multi billion dollar company, uh, a multi million dollar business that, you know, the guys playing the dot uh, mycreditscore.com, whatever uh-huh. what it is. I mean, you don't forget the little banjo-playing guys, but if you sign up, free credit report, it's really free. Well, you're going to have a bunch of people calling you trying to sell this and that, and now get ready for the robocalls. You oh, sign yeah. up there oh. and, you, you know – but everything comes at a cost, and it became a, a multi-billion-dollar industry to find out what your credit score is. Because if the people with good credit, they qualify for cheaper insurance, so that now they get a ton of calls, and and people buy those leads. It should be illegal, in my opinion. Me, I got in with a guy back in the day, a guy that worked for a credit bureau agency. Uh, so I'm I'm pulling somebody's credit for my clients, right? Getting a client pre-approved, and the client gets a call from somebody in. In Jersey, New Jersey. And the guy says, hey, send me all your financial documents. I know you apply for a loan with XNS, you know, with the name of my company. So I need to review your income docs. My client almost sent the income docs to this guy in New Jersey. Because when I pull his credit, they look at the information. They have access to the address of the phone number. If you have the phone number on the application, their name, and who pulled their credit. And even though that guy can identify himself because he mentioned my company's name, therefore posing as, as a loan officer for my company. And he wasn't. So, but when I called the credit bureau, they said, Well, we believe that the, cl- the clients have the right to choose, you know, have more choices for lenders. And I said, I believe that too. But the client should make the call to the lender, not get a call from an un- unidentified lender that may in- or may not be ethical. So, this Pandora box opening for, for fraud there. And and that's because of the credit bureaus. And the clients get mad at me because they're like, "Hey, you gave my number to this person, so and so." No, I didn't. The credit bureaus are selling that information to Shady Joe there in Jersey because he's buying. He, he knows that he got a mortgage hit, so mm. he's gonna go chase my client and try to steal the client from me, and without even knowing the client. So, you know, it's just it's 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 wild. There it's a wild wild west. A lot of times when it comes to credit bureaus.
0: Yeah. So. Let's talk a little bit about you on the on the back end. We know we talked about where you're from. Now we've talked about your mortgage company and, mm-hmm. and a, a bunch of different views. What, who, like, who are you? What do you like to do? You know, kind of introduce yourself because there's mm-hmm. people out there that they don't know Fabio Passos mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Milestone Mortgage. We're, this is an opportunity for, for you to get uh, your name out there and mm-hmm. just kind of introduce yourself.
1: Awesome. Cool. So, yeah. So, like I said, I moved here in 96, been in a mortgage business since 2001. Um, I. Um love the, you know, being in this business and meeting people like you guys. Um, I'm a workaholic, a family guy. I've been married. Brittany and I are married since 2015. So five years going on to six year married together since 2012. I have five kids. I have a bunch of little cages running around Is town. that a Brazilian thing? <laughs> 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 yeah, so I was, I was married twice. I have Marco and Diego for my first marriage. Right. And I have Leo and Belle for my second marriage, and I have a stepson, Fahad. So we got 19, 16, 13, and then jump a few years, four and two. Are we done? So four boys and one girl the youngest is a girl. Yes, I'm done. Actually, today was two years that I got Snip snips. Oh, so we done. It popped okay. up on my. Facebook oh, I remember feed. that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> After five, uh, we, uh, yeah, the I factory officially shut down. Maybe what was, about what about your hobbies? You I know, know you just the, got something new. The little uh, ones are so cute, and uh, you know, Brittany Always talks about having more, and because they're so cute. But we're done. I cannot afford. How many loans? Unless do I have it's to close? adoption. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> we're not going to open the Pandora box. <laughs> so let's talk.
0: Let's talk about your hobby. Um, I know that you're into different things. I know you like. Uh-huh. Uh, You get yourself a few rewards. Uh, You just got something really (laughs) special not too long ago. Yeah,
1: so I've been a car guy my whole life without the car because, you know, I'm always uh, trying to be financially responsible and stuff like that. But last year was the biggest year in the history of the mortgage business. And I said, you know what? If I don't get a toy this year, I don't know when I'm going to get it. Yeah. So I bought myself a Porsche uh, GT3. I love cars. I always did. I had a Porsche poster since I'm a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister was you know talking to me she said it 's so funny. I had a, a Lamborghini contage you know mm-hmm. on the wall like every kid had, and uh, she said he always said you 're going to have a car like this and you finally have it you know uh, so for me it 's a childhood dream to be able to to afford something like this. I puts a freaking huge smile on my face when I get to the office driving the porsche uh, i 'm smile head you know like somebody can be mad at me but let you know. let, let 's reiterate how how old mm. are you again?" I'm 45.
0: Yeah, we don't want these mm-hmm. these young guys out there listening to you know people like you, and, and then uh, you know they try to replicate what you have or what you do, and yeah. then they just don't make good financial you know, decisions.
1: A lot of people, you know, like they're like, oh, you're driving a Porsche, you it's like, but then the 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 good people, because you got the yeah, but I know the there. business yeah. you built. I you know, know that that's like, a, that's that's a
0: actually you know, act, mm-hmm. Fabio, for you. That's really not an expensive toy. Yeah. You know, okay. financially, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, you know, it was, w- with success comes reward. And that's yeah. what people need to realize. You know, I, I've watched you build your mm-hmm. business. I've been there with you for a while. I've been knowing you for a good while. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we, we both like nice things. And, yeah. you know, what is
1: success without rewards? I, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, things happen in life and you kind of change your perception to what are we doing here? You know, we had a close friend that died of COVID recently. His wife is about ago, right? a month Houston. ago, right? Yeah. I was sitting down with her today, helping her do a family budget, which she's never done one before. You know, her husband passed away 53 years old, COVID healthy guy. So all those things are going through my mind. And I'm like, here, we know we're making money, doing well, you know, have everything you know, done, a lot of great financial decisions to get me to where I am. Some, some bad ones, some good ones, but I'm pretty good making financial decisions, um, and we broke records and stuff like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a nice car, and I'm happy as could be. Uh, and my wife was questioning my decision, and then mm-hmm. she saw how happy I am driving, and now she's all in. You know, uh, so I believe in uh, rewarding yourself. I like nice things, um, like we we share a passion for watches. Also, yeah, we do. You know, I love those things. I like spoiling my wife um, during the court training. Um, giving gifts to the, to the spouses. I was the best at that. The same, the San Diego guy kicked my butt on production, but I gave nicer gifts to my wife than he did. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I
0: think, you know, it Get rewarding yourself. It gets mm-hmm. you to that next goal. It's like, what is your next reward? I'm, I'm very goal uh, oriented. You can see the vision mm-hmm. boards behind me. Yeah. Um, I've got vision boards for subdivisions, mm-hmm. how many lots in each subdivision. And you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, if if you can't see it, you can't. You I can't. really
1: believe in that. I really believe in a vision board. I'm super visual. I put everything in front of me. I have a vision board now, with a a condo on on the top of the Miami Harbor. I have a vision board for you know the, the GT three collection that I'm going to have, the Rolex collection that I'm going to have, and, and and it drives me to want. To get up every day and make it happen. I don't know what it is that you look at it, you set the goals and the vision, and it happens. It does happen. You know, it shows up in your garage. You know, I drive a Range Rover, I looked at it 5,000 times at Cars.com, and guess what? It showed up in my garage. The Porsche showed up in my garage. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to upgrade my vision board to a few things. Right.
0: I, I can come do you that know? for you. I, can, I, I, I need a few things.
1: <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, I don't. I don't this, I don't really have a lot of hobbies. I don't really, you know, we're always busy with the kids. Um, I don't go hunting and fishing. Yeah, it a took lot, me a couple of days you
0: know? to get you here because yesterday you took the kids to, yeah. to uh, Court Ranch and then uh-huh. today you took them to uh, soccer game, soccer and, gum, and jump, jump, zone. jump zone, and
1: dinner. And You know, we're going to Miami on Wednesday and, uh, and my wife and I wanted to spend extra time with the kids. They're going to stay with my mom. We're blessed to have her here in town. And my sister doesn't have any kids. So they call her Chia Fa and they love being with them. Like, they absolutely love going to sleep there. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, you know, spending extra time with them, letting them sleep with us in the bed. So we're going to go to Miami for four nights and then come back Sunday. Uh, we're going to, you know, it's, like it's more like a business fun trip. We're going to uh, cultivate a relationship, that I, a couple of relationships that I have in Miami. One of them is a guy that, that made what I want to do with a mortgage company, started as a broker, took a leap of faith. Now he's a nationwide lender. I don't know closing a gazillion loans. I can't even have too many zeros for me to comprehend. But we're gonna eat dinner with him and his wife. Uh, super nice guy. We'll be friends. Uh, he's a uh, grew up in Baltimore, hustle his his own way. There's nothing given to him. Everything he has, he earned it. Very similar to us. So yeah, yeah, that's know, what the, that's what this could, whole podcast you know,
0: is about, man. About hustling from you know the ground mm-hmm. on up. Uh, you know every angle that you can get at every, every little thing that comes your way, these vision boards, making sure that every day, you know, I'm, I'm updating them. If a new subdivision yeah. comes up new meetings, we have tomorrow. We have a, a great meeting coming up with a, a, a local developer where we're securing mm-hmm. another subdivision, you mm-hmm. know, for, for our future builds. Um, so I, I think we're reaching our time. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, pretty up there. I think close to an hour. Um, Definitely. Fabio, man, thank you for coming and sharing, uh, your experiences and knowledge and hopefully that other real estate agents could use this uh podcast as a tool to, to learn because that's what this is about. We want to share the mm-hmm. things that we've gone through with the public. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: this is our way of giving back. You have that mentorship. We mm-hmm. have uh, th- we have this podcast. It's it's a release. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. no thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity. You know if you need anything, call me. If you need a loan, call me with your number loan. Three What's four you? nine loan. Pretty th- easy. Need th- a home loan, call three four nine loan or text three four nine loan milestone mortgage is milestone LA.com. that's our website uh we love helping people you know we always you know our our mojo is always do the right thing show people you care and do the best you, do your very best uh we try to do that every day um and that's how we get to meet great people and maintain great relationships in a business like we have you know?
0: All right, so today's uh, podcast is brought to you by Milestone Mortgage and Fabio Passos. And as always, grind every day, hustle every angle, and end up at the top.